Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Today we have two incredible panelists uh, we've had on before, but they are phenomenal. Every time I learn something new and something more. And we have Catherine Monet, who's the Chief Executive Officer of the National Coalition for Homeless Veterans, and Ralph Cooper, the Community and Residential Veteran Services Coordinator, Cloudbreak Houston, LLC, and co-founder of the National Coalition for Homeless Veterans. Today we're going to be talking about the linkage between mental health and veteran homelessness. And one of the things I want to say uh, about Catherine and Ralph is that they actually work and they uh, work with our veterans every day. So, you know, between the times that they appear on the show, they're actually doing things that are taking care of veterans around the clock. Uh, Homelessness never goes away, neither do the mental health issues. So thank you, thank you both for your service to our veterans and to our nation for what you do. Hey, Catherine, so we'll start with you and see what do you think about this thing, mental health and the veterans' homelessness. What, What do we need to know? Well, so I'm going to start first by setting the stage a little bit, right? So homelessness is really a mismatch between, you know, the availability of housing that is affordable in your community, right, and personal factors or systemic factors that affect your ability to pay. And there are many factors, but today we're just talking about one, right? So homelessness comes from a lot of things. I don't want people to think that we're talking about mental health just because, mental health is the main driver of homelessness, because I don't think it is, right? Affordable housing definitely is, and there are a number of factors that can play into whether a person becomes homelessness, but we did want to touch on mental health because of all of the things that are going on, you know, it's Suicide Prevention Month, mental health, mental health awareness period, and, you know, we're drawing down from Afghanistan, and so mental health has been a topic that has been on the mind of many lately. Oh, Fantastic. Um, so, Ralph, any opening comments? What, 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 what's your perspective on this? Well, you know, um, one of the, the biggest um, myths that uh, we faced when we first started looking at homelessness among veterans was that if a veteran was homeless, he wanted to be. And so that was Sonny Montgomery back in the, in the early in back in 80s in the, in the uh, 1980s and so we now know that lack of affordable housing and mental illness um, mm-hmm. post-traumatic stress all of those factors drug and alcohol abuse are, are all symptoms mm-hmm. there but they're not the um, reason for veterans to be in homeless and, you know, um, Catherine mentioned the Afghan um, soldiers coming home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's, a, been, there's been a big prediction that that's going to really ramp up the homelessness among veterans. But I ran across an interesting article about an Afghan soldier, someone who joined the military to become an interpreter. And... Uh, 
He signed up to join the U.S. military as an interpreter in 2002. And uh, and it was his real first full-time job. And he ended up homeless in America by the time he got there. So um, wow. I... I don't want to just go through the whole thing right at this moment, but what do you think about that? Well, you know, this is one of the viewpoints I have on this whole issue, right? It's that, you know, I, you know, I served in Iraq, you know, did a couple of combat tours there, went to um, Kuwait and, and the whole thing. And my thing is, is that, you know, we're talking about bringing people over because they they actually were our allies, right? And we had people who were interpreters, people who were uh, you know, fighting and supporting the efforts that we had overseas. And so we're talking about bringing people here. But my, my thing is that before you give a home to anyone else coming from another nation, give those homes to people who are in this nation who ro- rose their hands and went overseas to fight for you. So that that's my viewpoint is that people should be looking at these veterans who are here, who are homeless currently, and make sure you give them housing before you give anyone else a place to live. And you should be giving those people a place to live as well because they were our allies. But think about, you know, what people have gone through who are in the military, who are living on the street in the richest nation in the world and not getting the kind of attention and the support and the services and the, the resources that they need to survive. That is, that is totally uh, an insult to everything that we do. It's an insult to the Constitution. That's an assault, just like the assault on the Capitol on, uh, on the January 6th. It's assault on our Constitution not to take care of these people. Uh, you know, um, actually... I agree with the fact that in the richest country in the world, there, should, there, there shouldn't be any such thing as a homeless veteran. Mm-hmm. However, uh, it, there is, and we know that as veterans come back from Afghanistan, that they're going to bring with them their own issues and mm-hmm. Unfortunately, they are going to end up homeless. However, you know, the thing that really interested me was that uh, this one guy said um, in April of 2008, he accompanied the U.S. forces in battle at Shock Valley. Minutes into the six-hour firefight, his best friend, another interpreter, was killed. He was wounded. The battle spawned the highest number of silver stars and second highest declaration for valor of any battle since Vietnam. And in that, he had, he had gotten wounded, but because he was an interpreter, he joined the military, true enough, but he could not receive the government Purple Heart. His company that he worked, uh, he uh, helped to fight with, and and received shrapnel from that that battle, gave him a Purple Heart that they came up with, so that he would know that they honored his sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, for me, he's just as much of a of a soldier. Mm-hmm. 
as any other soldier. Yeah, yeah, well, I, I agree. You know, once you put yourself on that line and you're, you're um, uh, within that battle frame, we have to rethink about the, the history of um, how wars are fought because there is no such thing as a FIBA anymore, right? you know, forward edge of the battlefield. <laughs> so, you yeah, know, right. <laughs> you're over there, you're exposed. <laughs> and, uh, Absolutely. and so, you know, even if you're a cook, you know, you, uh, you know, we, you, Dory Miller already, you know, uh, showed that. That's right. He <laughs> already proved that. Right. <laughs> so. And he still hasn't gotten his Congressional Medal of Honor. That's right. That's right. Uh, so we have a long history of that going on. But there's something else that you said and Karen said that I think is really essential. And Karen, I think, opened it with this comment about uh, they don't choose to be homeless, that, 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 that myth. And a lot of people think, oh, they, they, they just decide to stay outside because uh, that's where they want to be. And that's a very easy way for uh, those in power, those people who should be supplying them with the resources to say, oh, uh, we would give them to them if they wanted them, and that's not the case. So, you know, paint the picture of, you know, the typical veteran who is homeless. What is it that they are contending with? And I'll give that to Karen. Well. Or, or, or you know, or Ralph, if you want. <laughs> well, you know, um, where I, it just so happens I work at a facility where we house previously homeless veterans because once they come in and get housed with us, they're no longer homeless. However, we also have a nonprofit organization which brings in homeless veterans from the street and tries to help them with temporary housing and help them try to find a job and get the necessary uh, assistance that they need. So they're technically still homeless because they're not permanently housed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it, the homelessness is not just necessarily someone who lives under a bridge. There are all kinds of reasons why mm-hmm. a person may end up homeless. Right. Um, you know, unfortunately in this country, we have people who are, are working and can't afford to pay the rent. So they live in a shelter. No, so they're homeless technically living in a homeless shelter, but they're paying rent because they can't afford to they can't afford a higher place so or they can't afford the rent rather they want to pay the rent but can't afford the rent so they have to be living in a shelter in order for them and their families to survive but we have veterans who suffer post-traumatic stress who who have uh, all kinds of nightmares at night and, and they and some of them can't really function too well unless they have the support mechanism for them. Just bringing them off the street is not the answer. You know, it's bringing them off the street to a livable housing situation where if they have an income, they can afford it. The government helps them out through a VASH program where they, if they only pay 30% of the rent, if they qualify. Mm -hmm. So, it's a it's a it's no one picture of the homeless vet. They're all colors, white, black, Asian, mm-hmm. American, American Indian, Indian. 
you know. Right, right. So, I mean, Catherine can speak to it because she has a lot of these organizations in our in in that are members of the National Coalition who, who work with these veterans every day. Mm-hmm. No. You know, I think this year it's changed a little bit, right? When you think about it, that is a really broad strokes description of the population. And, uh, I mean, the fact is that the population somewhat is, you know, the general homeless population. It's a little bit older, a little better educated, uh, more predominantly male, fewer folks with families and children. But that is less the case now. But this year it seems like we're seeing a lot more veterans who are calling because they're facing eviction, a lot more folks who are calling in communities where shelters have closed because of COVID precautions, uh, lots of folks calling from hotels with nowhere to go after their hotel stay ends. And it's just been really interesting to see how COVID has kind of changed things where we're seeing a little more, I think we're seeing more callers who are, um, you know, newly homeless or episodically homeless versus your longer term chronically homeless callers that we, um, would be dealing with. Yeah, you know, and, and you know, looking at it from the, the homeland security perspective, uh, you, you know, I was really surprised because we used to have these things called civil defense uh, groups, right? And that that's how homeland security actually started, and that's how FEMA actually f- grew out of that whole thing. Uh, and President Carter in 1979 was the one who uh, actually put FEMA in place. And I was kind of surprised that we were not using veterans more in the pandemic uh, response. We were using National Guard, but we weren't going for people who were homeless veterans, people who could have actually added something to the whole picture of how we responded and, you know, you know how we moved things <coughs> around. We could have paid them. We could have had jobs for people, you know, uh, to, to face this whole pandemic issue. And uh, so, you know, this is National uh, Mental Health Month, right? And we were talking about, you know, some of the things like PTSD and the things that veterans face. But what what do you see as being the challenges? What what is the vision that we should have about taking care of the mental health uh, issues with our veterans, especially during the pandemic, especially with people coming back from Afghanistan, a fresh group of people coming back? When when I came back from, uh, it was my first tour in Iraq, uh, the way they had us, they had us 300 people in a room. We were squeezed together. You know, uh, this uh, sergeant came in who was uh, in charge of that, this operation, you know, for uh, redeployment. And he said, is anyone in this room who's crazy? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. <laughs> and we had, th- you know, three people just raised their hand and said, the hell with it. I'm going to raise my hand. <laughs> and we were just looking at each other. And you had your chain of command there. You had your unit you're going back home with. And it was like, are you crazy? Are you crazy for asking us that question in this kind of setting? And they said, well, if you do say yes, you're going to be here for another month or two months because we have to do the processing and everything else. So everyone was like, I'm out of here, right? So it, it was a really ineffective, terrible screening process. And uh, I think a lot of things were lost in that, potentially some of the veterans who have committed suicide since we've returned back home. So... What do you think we need to be doing with respect to the mental health issue for the homeless? Uh, because many of them are dealing with things, and as you were mentioning before, homelessness is not caused by mental health. It's just one of the complicating factors that makes it even worse for people. So what do you think we should be doing for mental health? Well, um, Catherine, I want Catherine to chime in on this. But, you know, one of the, the things that we had a, a 
a vision of a job, uh, earning money, um, being able to feed your family. A lot of the issues that we call mental health mm-hmm. issues mm-hmm. seem to go away when a person has purpose and has and, and is able to bring the bacon home mm-hmm. and uh, and have meaning and, and have purpose in his life. So um, you know, I'm, I'm glad you said that. You know why? That you, you know why I'm glad you said that? It's because there's a thing called situational depression, right? So if I'm in a car and I see my friend get killed or, you know, in an accident, right, that, that, that's a situational depression. It doesn't mean that I have a chemical imbalance in my brain. It's a normal reaction to the stresses and the things that I am perceiving, right? So, uh, you know, I can be Absolutely. depressed from that. And so if you're homeless, depression can be part of that process. You know, it's not easy to be homeless on the street. And so, Absolutely not. so, so I, I, you know, I think that that is something that really needs to be understated. Don't automatically assume that this person has some kind of chemical imbalance or some kind of problem that can't be solved, you know, when a veteran has mental health issues. But I just want to highlight that one second, you know. Catherine? Well, so I think I agree with all of that, right? And I do want to go back and touch a little bit on what you said about, you know, the way that you transitioned out, because I do think that there is a degree to which some of to start with prevention and, you know, get worked its way into the transition process, right? And the ways in which we talk to people about mental health and really stigma asking for help if you need it, right? And making sure that we're really connecting folks to care, that they need or that they maybe don't think they need, but realize later that they might actually need, right? So I do think that there's something there to look at. I also think that there's probably, and I would love to see VA and DOD doing a little bit more research right around what the risk factors are and sort of having a better handle on how they could predict who is most likely to become homeless and kind of wrap a few more services around those people and monitor a little more closely. But I do think that there is a lot to be said for the ways in which we serve people in the homeless system, right, and how that looks, and are we being as compassionate as we could be, and are we truly connecting people to the services that they need in a way that is not, um, you know, tied to your ability to stay in housing, you know, in a positive way, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. A fa- fa- fantastic uh, but, viewpoint, and you know. I think. Oh, go ahead. Huh? I, uh, yeah, I think what you touched on mm-hmm. too was the the humiliating and mm-hmm. non-sensitive way that the government approached this thing. Or anybody crazy raised their hand, mm-hmm. and if that is still going on, mm-hmm. that may be one of the places we can start and might save a bunch of lives because mm-hmm. I know. If I had uh, if I had mental health issues, I'm not raising my hand. You tell me I'm going to stay here for a couple more months. Right. I'm not raising my hand, so I may not get the help I need. So I'm going to go and commit suicide. Mm-hmm. So you know, one of that that may be really a, a beginning step toward dealing with what what, uh, what Catherine and I talked about is where are the prevention methods. Mm-hmm. They're not homeless yet because they're still in the military and just getting out. Well, that could be a great start for homeless prevention right there. 
Yeah, you know, I think so, you know, and, and, and maybe if you you were being redeployed. So I came back through, um, you know, uh, a base in uh, uh, down in, in, in Texas. And if I was coming back through, maybe what they should do is, uh, you know, get you uh, tied into a VA uh, provider who is in your area that you c- – so back in Illinois, you know, that's close to my home, that – I could go to and say I need to have the follow-up after coming back out of the combat uh, zone. And and maybe there's some kind of way of structuring that so uh, you just don't let people go <laughs> uh, with no uh, recourse. Also, there should yeah. be a different way of asking the question. I mean, I, yes. <laughs> I, I, Most I'm definitely. still stuck on that. <laughs> I mean, we need to figure out a way to be able to ask I, I, I was like, I was, I was, I was astounded. I, I'm telling you, I was sitting there looking at this guy going, "Like, are you just?" I said, "You have to be crazy." <laughs> this is just uh, insane. Uh, but you know, tell us a little bit more about you know uh, how to get in touch with your services. I want to make sure that people have that. Uh, you know how to to learn more about what you're doing. Uh, so give us you know uh, the, the connectivity points, uh, and then we'll do it again uh, in a moment. Okay, great. So if folks are online, they can reach us at www.nchv.org. Um, they can also find us on social media via Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, if you are a veteran who's in the midst of a housing crisis and are not really sure how to navigate that process, you are totally welcome to call us at 1-800-VET-HELP, V-E-T-H-E-L-P. Um, that's our toll-free referral line, and we've got folks on the phone from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern Standard answering calls from veterans and helping them find resources in their community to us. That's fantastic, you know, because w- one of the things is that many times families have um, members of the family who are veterans and they don't know what to do, where to turn. So they should be going to this website to find out about resources and things that they can actually help to implement, you know, for their family members who are veterans who are homeless. And um, one other thing that you were mentioning is that pe- people are in a kind of a metastable position. So uh, people may come home and end up being uh, homeless at some point. Uh, so uh, also for those people, there should be some resources, you know, so that they don't have to become homeless. Um, as a nation, we should be uh, providing those services so that people can get past those points. Uh, I know that in Illinois, in October 3rd, you know, the eviction uh, 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 moratorium is is going to be gone. And so we may be seeing people who are in the eviction status as well uh, that we are going to have to be paying mm-hmm. a close attention to. And if they're veterans, they need to be helped somehow. But uh, so very, very good. We're r- running out of time, but this, uh, you know, you have a, uh, about two more minutes. So I'm going to have uh, one minute. Uh, I'll let <laughs> Karen go first, and then, uh, uh, Ralph, you can come in second. I just want you to give, you know, some of your parting thoughts. What do you think we need to be doing? What's your vision about mental health, and what do people need to know? So I think the vision for mental health for me is really simple, right? We should be doing our very best to destigmatize and to connect folks to services as they need or, you know, maybe want, right? And connecting them, not only the veteran, but also the family members and folks who might know that there's a problem and might be more willing to acknowledge it than the veteran themselves. 
But I think the end game for me, right, is connecting folks to services that um, hopefully will help them stabilize and prevent some kind of housing insecurity or food insecurity or other issue that um, could potentially stem from mental health challenges. Great. Ralph? Not only for the challenges of mental health, but they also should be actively helped in trying to get meaningful employment. They should definitely have, we have to have affordable housing Mm -hmm. for whether they're homeless or not. Uh, If we want to keep them from being homeless, then they have to be able to pay their rent and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and live in dignity. Okay, thank you very much, Ralph, and thanks, Catherine. So I am uh, really, really happy that the two of you are both on. And uh, please, please go to NCHV uh, for your uh, issues about uh, homelessness. Uh, and if you're a family member, veteran, don't turn your back on people. Uh, and even if you have a friend, if you see someone in the street, give them a helping hand. Uh, this is a very, very particularly hard time for veterans on the street because of uh, all the things with COVID going on. Uh, you know, I, I, give food, give you know, give support, give a helping hand. And thank you, thank you, thank you, uh, partner, National Coalition of Homeless Veterans, uh, Catherine and Ralph, uh, absolutely gold stars for both of you. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.